Hi, this is Jim Lobato. I'm the president and founder of a company called Performance Group. You're listening to the podcast version of a program that originally aired on BizTalk Radio Show. I started BizTalk so you can have access to today's leading experts about growing your company and yourself. BizTalk is produced by Performance Group, which is in the business of helping the leadership of growth-oriented companies realize their potential. We do this by working with their sales force and helping those individuals discover and develop their unique abilities and then align those abilities with their opportunities. That's why we're known as a Salesforce development company. I hope you enjoy this podcast. On our program today is Laurel Langermeyer. Her book, The Millionaire Maker's Guide to Creating a Cash Machine for Life. Laurel, I like your title, Cash Machine for Life. It's a follow-up to your best-selling book, The Millionaire Maker. So what is it about a cash machine for life that you're trying to tell us that's different than your first book? Well, I'm tell- for the first book, it's seven stories about seven patterns of people who need to have their money you know, uh, completely overhauled and their, their structure. And I talk about a concept called sequencing, which is when you do the right thing at the right time because you're, you know, moving, uh, you know, moving in the right direction. And I don't believe, you know, all people's financial messes are not created equal. So doing the right thing at the right time, depending on what you've done to yourself, is pretty critical. And so um, what I say in The Millionaire Maker is you want to find yourself in one of the stories. You know, somebody has the same mess you have or the same situation. And so from being in debt to being a cash-poor millionaire to being an entrepreneurial struggling, struggling to being an entrepreneurial not struggling but a bunch of cash sitting around, I call it lazy assets. So depending on where your financial situation is, you should be all doing something different depending on that. So that's the first book. Then the Cash Machine for Life is a fast entrepreneurial, let's make money right now kind of book. And it is about making fast cash. And um, in fact, I have another book coming out in October which is Put More Cash in Your Pocket, pretty simple book, but it really breaks down the how do you make money. I do this workshop. In fact, I'm coming up in Atlanta, Georgia, doing a workshop soon, and in three days, 100% of my room made money. Everybody in the class makes new money. Wow. Isn't that fun? Yeah, I it is I'm fun. Good. I'm really good at this. <laughs> well, the, uh, I found your book fascinating, especially one of the comments that's actually on the inside flap of your book. You, you make this statement, in order to be truly wealthy, you need more than a 9-to-5 salary and investments. You need a cash machine, and you need a cash machine for life. Right now, in the people we've been talking to who help small businesses and resources like entrepreneurial centers are telling me that there's been a disproportionate amount of people who are leaving current jobs. Now, not displaced or downsized, but actually leaving their jobs because they want to start their own business and the number one reason they're telling me that they want to start these businesses they want to be more in control so if somebody's out there thinking they want to get more in control and they're going to start their business in the environment we're in what's the one piece of advice you'd be saying to those people well i'm i in fact have articles that i've just wrote that says you know don't create uh, don't wait for your pink slip create it um, I'm a massive, massive fan of entrepreneurialism. And Harry Dent is a very dear friend of mine, a world-leading economist. I mean, we're in the same conversation that entrepreneurs are going to walk us out of this economy, this economic mess, by creating new money, new revenue, new spending cycles for people. Um, you know, if the banks would actually, you know, provide some capital, more companies would actually, I think, get started. So I think we're in an extraordinary time. 
I think that a lot of people, though, are misinformed on what it takes to be an entrepreneur. I mean, marketing, sales, finance, and leadership are your key fundamentals of being an entrepreneur. Most people who want to be an entrepreneur want to go be the technician. They want to go be, you know, the the pie maker, the uh, coach, the author, the whatever the widget is, right? Uh, and it doesn't matter what they what they don't understand, and I don't think is being taught. And when I'm rolling out my my book this fall, we're actually going to be teaching at entrepreneurial colleges because I really have you know a campaign about the right kind of entrepreneurial training entrepreneurialism is about marketing sales understanding finance run i mean really running a pnl not just teach them how to read it run it like your life depends on it because it really does and uh leading teams of people where most people i think are thinking well i'm gonna go be an internet marketer well that's a widget that's like the thing you do um i own 29 varieties of companies from a manufactured glass recycled company um, uh, I have an REO company where we're buying, you know, distressed properties. Um, obviously, I have Live Out Loud. I have a marketing company. I have an entity company. I have varieties of companies. It's not about the widget. That's really, at the end of the day, it's not about the widget. It's about do you have the ability to really market and drive uh, revenues for the thing you're going to do, of which, as an owner, and you know this too, Jim, I mean, most of the time and a lot of times, you're not the one doing the the thing. You're the one owning the thing. And I think that's a huge tangle that most people don't understand in being an entrepreneur. In your experience, what have you learned that has separated the ones from who create a job because they want to yep. go do yeah. the widget and the ones who figure out, hmm, this, this is not a job. In fact, it's more of a business. Man, what's the differentiating factor there? How, do, how does some people get one side of that coin and the other get the other side? Because the, those who understand that being an entrepreneur, it requires marketing and sales, a lot of marketing and sales. And in this marketplace, more marketing and sales than they've ever done in the history of their life. They get it. Um, you know, I, I don't know how many people, you know, open up shop. And, uh, like, I'm coaching a woman who's a writer, and she quit her job. Um, she was an editor at a magazine. She quit her job to be a writer. And all she's doing is creative writing. And I said, where's your clients? Oh, they'll come. I'm going to write. I said, what are you writing? You don't have to do one lick of writing. You need to go get some clients. And what's your pricing? What's your packaging? How are you going to work with them? Uh, is it a retainer model? And so it's understanding, again, that finance and go out and get some customers. I said, and the truth is you'll probably be hiring subs to do the writing because you're going to be busy getting the clients. Absolutely. I said, and if not, you're going to be changing that, and then you need to find somebody in the front, which means you know, whoever does the marketing and sales is getting the lion's share of the cash. And I think that's the other wake-up call for people looking at entrepreneurialism is that's just the way that it is. And I think a lot of people, you know, are still stunned at that. Yeah, what is it that, okay, so let's pretend that you're not good in that area. That's not your expertise point. Then what do you do? Uh, then just, you can partner. Then I would partner with people who have that expertise. Okay. All right. The economy in right now, mm-hmm. it is the longest, the deepest recession we've seen since the Depression. It's not a depression, but... This is surely the doozy of the recessions. So what advice are you giving people, given the environment we're in right now? Well, I actually think we're, we're in the, the – I, I just think statistically we haven't announced the depression. I actually think we're there. Um, uh, and I don't think it's – we're. I, I think it's the way that I'm talking about it. It's a new it, – welcome to the new economy. It is what it is, and we're, not, we're on a very slow walkout. I think the answer is people – making money and becoming entrepreneurs. And people say, well, people aren't spending money. They are spending money. Even though 10, 11% are unemployed, that means 88 to 89% are employed and are making money. Has everyone lost money in their 401ks? Most, 99% of everybody I've talked to has lost some money, whether it's, you know, real estate transactions or 
uh, stock transactions. Um, so be an entrepreneur, create more cash, and be very strategic about making it back. Because I also think we're in the opportunity of a lifetime. So we can, you know, cry about the depression recession, but more millionaires are made in times like this because they see opportunity. So a lot of it's a mindset. It's a reset button to uh, your attitude and how you're playing and what's possible. It's shifting the way you've ever done business. Um, very different. So what solutions do you see from people who find themselves kind of in this economic time that we're in right now? Because I, th- I think you see a lot of business leaders out there who are saying, gosh, I thought, I thought it'd be over by now. It's not. And like you said, it is what it is. But we're not seeing the upticks we want, and we're kind of stuck between the way we've done it in the past and, as you call it, facing the new economy. So what solutions do you see people as they slug through and work this out that are working for the people that you see out there? What I see is uh, is for fast cash, the service-based things. You know, people still are getting their house clean. They're still doing, you know, landscaping. They're still um, getting, you know, network marketing is on a huge upsurge. Um, if you know how to do real estate, REOs are, in, you know, enormous. Uh, online marketing, digital marketing, um, you know, service-based writing, website design. I mean, services that help other entrepreneurs move, marketing and sales teams. All of this helps people move. When you look at um, people who are coming to you today, what's the biggest misperception they have about starting their business in this environment? Um, how much marketing sales they have to do. I mean, really, they just they don't understand how much marketing and sales they have to do. And, again, they get attached to the widget. Um, they watch other entrepreneurs and say, oh, that looks easy. You know, and, uh, yeah, good luck with that. And so, and then the other, the other mistake that I see people make is they, um, their, their first move out, you know, out of corporate America or into their own business, uh, you know, an enormous mistake I, mean, I see is that they're, they're trying to do their dream job, right? They're trying to have their dream business straight out of the gate. And the dream business is a lot of times one or two moves away because what you have to do first is just get your feet wet, just get out and start making some cash. I don't care how you do it, wash cars. I mean, just make some money so you have some sense of certainty that you actually know how to put some money in your pocket. That's why I called my next book. You know, I say in my, my book coming out this fall, I said, you know, how many days is your walk to the bank? Like, is it tomorrow? Can you really do it tomorrow? Can you do it the next day? Uh, really, how many days? And a lot of people's ideas are three, four, five months out, and that's not the right strategy in today's time. So just get going. And then as you start, you know, like Buckminster Fuller, I love, you know, you said it's always, you know, it's the ripple. So, you know, you're going to move forward, but over here to the left is really where you want to be, and you're going to have to take kind of a, a rounded walk out towards that uh, versus dart straight toward it because you just don't have enough experience, um, you know, to really attract the kind of team that you're going to need to probably do your big dream business, whatever that might be. So just get going is the, the real, you know, action from that. Yeah, I always tell people amazing things happen when you get out in the field, so get out in the field. <laughs> right. See, uh, see yeah, what, well, and the game happens in the field. You know, the so. game happens in the field, absolutely. We talked about how sales and marketing are important, and that's the foundation. Let's pretend I get that, I get it implemented, and it's under control. What's the next biggest struggle I'm going to face? Is the next biggest struggle going to be the plan? Is it going to be the structure I have to create? Is it going to be the people? Or is it going to be all of the above? It's all of the above, but mostly it is um, 
it's it's marketing sales, marketing sales, marketing sales. <laughs> well, you keep coming. You keep going back to that point. So, yep. uh, what is it? Well, because I think so many people don't. You know that what they're going to do is they're going to go plan to plan. Like I had a woman just recently. Well, I'm writing my book and I'm getting my CDs ready. And I said, but you could talk right now and pre-sell that book and CD and do that at night. And you know what I see a lot of people is they they they're in the planning to plan to plan to have everything be perfect when. You know, I said, here's the truth is you're going to go out and write a book and do your CD or whatever you're going to do. And you may not even know that the market wants that because you haven't talked enough about the thing. So I'm always a fan of telling people just get out and start, you know, talking and educating on the topic of which you want to formalize. Um, and that's why I write all my books. All my books are written usually six months to a year in advance by my talk tracks and how do I talk to audiences. And then audiences respond in certain ways and I know what works. I know, like at the three-day workshop, what works and how I you know, help people make money. And then I formalize it based on what I know the market wants. Not, oh, here's a big one. Ooh, I can't believe I forgot this mistake. Not what I fall in love with. See, a lot of people fall in love with their idea, and the market really doesn't care about their idea. No. <laughs> and so, and then you're, you know, doing all this planning to plan to plan around something you're in love with, and frankly, no one else cares. And now you've spent all your time and money doing something without any testing. So I'm a huge fan of just get out and see what the market wants. And again, this is get to the streets. You know, I say the, the market and the sales and the money is in the streets. It's not sitting in your little home office tucked behind your computer typing. There's no money there unless you're an online marketer and you actually know how to drive traffic, which most people Laurel, do. let's go back in time. And there had to be a point where you said to yourself, I'm going to jump in with both feet. I can do this. I can start my own business. If you can remember back to that, what was the triggering event where you said, I'm just going to go? Oh, I was seven. Uh, so I'm, that's not a, I'm not a good candidate for that question just because I've been doing it ever since I was little. Well, what, happened, what happened at seven that happened? <laughs> was it the lemonade uh, stand? Uh, <laughs> no, I learned to drive a tractor with my dad on the farm in Nebraska. Um, and then I learned to drive little lawnmowers and realized that I could, you know, get little gigs and they thought I was cute that I was so little. By 13, I was mowing, you know, almost every cemetery around the area and, you know, big lawns and big fields. And um, by 17, I had my own personal training and aerobics business, and I worked my way through college. Um, had scholarships, but my, you know, I had to uh, pay for my own college. And by 24, I had, you know, another big uh, wellness business. And then I went to corporate America. And then that was like the, but that was good. I would never give back those five years. I worked, I worked with Chevron. Um, doing fitness centers all over the world. And I would never give back that experience because that was part of the piece that I needed to then come out here and, you know, grow the kind of multi-million dollar company that I know how to run. Um, but I was a horrible employee. Horrible. I mean, I was mouthy. You know, I got insubordination write-ups all the time because I, you know, had too many opinions and I would always tell them if they had one, then we'd actually make more money. And I was a horrible employee. Hated it. Hated being an employee. So I've been a little entrepreneur in a lot of wild ways um, forever. I mean, I, I wouldn't know how to not be one. Looking back so, on that, being, yeah. a, being a serial entrepreneur is what it sounds like. Looking back on that, what's oh, I like the, that word. I've never used that in my job, my little uh, bio, serial entrepreneur. <laughs> serial, like serial entrepreneur. That is really a good one. <laughs> so you're looking back on those experiences. What's the toughest thing you've had to overcome? Learning to market and sell like I've never marketed. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. I, actually, that's 
just a natural state of how I live because I love what I'm doing and I love helping people. Um, and I love the changes that happen in people's lives when they actually get switched on. I think the biggest is, is picking, um, picking bad teammates has been really financially my biggest obstacle. That's where, where I've lost money is picking teammates and different business partners who, you know, thought we were going to come to the table with a certain level of expertise or, or I would say mental agility. And then when a project got tough or something got tough, you know, they, you know, I've been, I've had a CEO steal from me in one company. I've had, you know, people abandon development projects. I mean, I've had some doozies where I've had to then come in and step in and pick up the business, and that's been no fun. The, so I would say that's been the biggest, you know, not only costly lesson, but just lessons on just the human, you know, condition and how people behave. I hear a lot of people talk about that. So if you could share with our audience the one insight you've had from that, that you're kind of like having your toolbox or just the thing you say to yourself, hey, I'm going to go off and, and partner with this person or employ this person. Is there a reference point or an affirmation you say, I'll, I'm always going to do this so I don't make that mistake again? Well, I have a broader team that I never make a decision by myself. So I have um, a CFO. I have, um, you know, a, what I it's an informal board, but I have a group of folks around me that, you know, everything or, you know, I have some great lawyers. So I have a team that, you know, everything that I do that's of significant size gets walked through, you know, an enormous due diligence cycle that's bigger than I would have ever done in the beginning when I made those mistakes. Absolutely. I mean, due diligence and history. And I don't, when somebody says they can do something, it's prove it or show me your reference list, show me your, you know, uh, and then I also don't give equity. You know, Kiyosaki told me this. He was one of my uh, business partners way back in the day who wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad. And um, this, to this day, was one of some of the best advice he ever gave me, which is don't give ownership to something you can hire. Hmm. And I'll tell you, it was the most, because every time that you think about doing business with somebody, you think, is the value that they're bringing so uh, extraordinary that I really can't hire it? You know, like, I'm offered equity positions in companies because I know they can't hire what I'm bringing. You know, you can't hire my brain. I mean, you can't hire you know, the experiences that collectively have got me here. And so I'm offered, you know, equity positions all the time in companies, um, but I've earned the right to that position. You know, a lot of people say, well, how come you're not putting in money? I say, because I'm, I'm bringing experience that you know, is going to make the difference of whether this moves or not. And it's been, you know, I think that's a position a lot of people want to get into. And it was one for me. It was a huge, you know, big check on the, on the screen of goals of life of what I wanted to get to. Um, and, now it's, and now it's time to give back. You know, those are your give back moments of helping right. other people get their businesses up. So it's, you know, it's a great place. Laurel, uh, the other thing you're involved in, it seems like a lot of projects, you have a lot going on. You can tell just in our conversation, very positive, upbeat. What's the one thing you do that helps you stand guard of your confidence? Because I imagine in business and actually in life in general, without that strong confidence, you're just not going to keep moving ahead, especially in facing adversity. So how does Laurel stand guard of her confidence? Um, it's my team around me. And en enormous. I mean, I still read, you know, Think and Grow Rich over and over. I still, I mean, I have a lot of that reading. Um, you know, Mike Dooley's Notes from the Universe, you know, is a new whole series I've picked up. Course of Miracles. Um, you name it, I read it. I mean, there's a, um, you know, I was in The Secret and The Hicks you know, was in the first version of The Secret and then got themselves out. But uh, the Hicks work is just, Abraham Hicks work is amazing on, you know, deliberate 
uh, intention. Mm-hmm. And I, there, it's in inor- I call the mental conditioning muscle conditioning because I have a master's degree in exercise physiology, so I have all these, you know, interesting eclectic background of things in my world. And it, if you don't use it, you will lose it. And I'll tell you, it is, you know, the most diligent work that I probably do is keeping my head straight and forward. I mean, a lot of lives depend on the moves I make, and uh, um, which is also why I have a great team around me to, you know, slap me on the side of the head sometimes and say, wake up, you know, you're, you know, falling down on this side or, you know, and, you know, when I say team, I'm not talking about what, what I'm, and I'm going to pick on women because I am one, uh, a casual, um, a casual support group. I'm talking about people who say, you said you wanted this in your life, you moved forward, you committed. You know, lots of lives depend on it, and uh, you know, my team has a lot of permission to to hold hold me to what I've said, and not casually. I mean, very intensely. And I think that's what people avoid is is really living out loud. That's why I call my company Live Out Loud because when you live out loud and you're in that that state of um, intention and you actually announce. You know, I always tell people it's the same thing like losing weight. You know, if people want to lose weight. I don't know how many women sabotage themselves by whispering. So why aren't you telling everybody? Because then everybody's holding you accountable. As they see you later in the month, they're saying, you know, why are you eating that pizza? You said you wanted to lose weight. I mean, that's true accountability is being held accountable to what it is you say want. And so many people live silently and quietly. They never get what they want and it's because they're not playing. I like some of your laurelisms. Yeah. <laughs> that your team provided to me. See, I have my own libatoisms, and I thought that was unique until I ran across your laurelisms. So I'm going to ask you about a couple, because I thought these were interesting, and maybe they're connected, maybe they're not. The first one I thought was interesting was your laurelism, money follows management. What do you mean by that? Money follows management is money follows the team. So if, uh, you know, I have people call all the time who want me to help them raise capital or Mm -hmm. understand how to do that. And I said, without a really good management team, a team to execute that kind of capital, whatever that is, it might even be just, you know, $100,000, you want to go buy a couple distressed properties. If you don't have the team to do it, you're not going to get money, nor should you get money. I think a lot of people hear OPM, right? Other people's money is this casual thing. And I say it's the most highest regard is that you're in charge of someone else's capital because they intend to make money on it. And it's uh, one of the, you know, it's a pretty respected position you get and I think a lot of people treat it very casually and it's also why you know an enormous amount of people have lost money in this market I mean made off you know tops of the record probably in the history of our lifetimes but um, there's a lot of mini Madoffs running around and I would say you know if you want to have capital you know how I started raising money is I joined teams of very successful other people and I was the little junior leaguer learning how to do it like a pro and I think a lot of people just want to be the pro and you know I said smart money is only going to follow smart people and so um, become part of a smart team. And I think a lot of people don't realize, Jim, that you can be part of the team. I mean, I just I called people 20 years my senior. They kind of looked at me and laughed. I said, I'll do all the work. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I always want to learn. And I'll tell you, people who are very busy like me, when they call me, and like I have a you know, uh, recent, uh, actually, he's a U.S. Olympic soccer player who just called recently and said, I'm going to come to work for you. He said, I'll do it for six months. I just want to be in the environment of how this game's played. Like, I'm going to learn from some pros, and I'll come out and I'll do it for free. And that's what I did. And believe me, and you know, I'm not going to let them do it for free. I'll you know, give them some money. But I'll tell you that being willing to do that is where a lot of people uh, make a mistake on their journey. I've done that for a lot, lot of different projects to learn things that I didn't know how to do. Yeah, it's, it, it's the, almost the same comment that Warren Buffett made about taking his first job. 
He said, you know, it wasn't it wasn't about the money. It was what was I going to learn? Right. And the money and the money will follow in his case, and obviously did. The other one is, it's the wrong conversation. What is that laurelism about? Oh, people are in. So a wrong conversation is all the whinging and whining about why the economy is at fault for why you're not making money or moving ahead in your life. So um, the wrong conversations are things that, you know, continue to uh, keep you stuck, don't move you ahead, um, slow you down, those kind of things. You know, it's interesting, too, your other laurelism, and maybe it's just kind of obvious, but one other one I picked out, the last one here is working on getting out of debt debt is suffering or you can just go out and make some new money and that and when you say it it's like that's so obvious but other people seem to get lost on the wrong side of the equation which is working out of debt well and i think so many people think because they've been told by many other money experts that living debt free is a position you want to be in the truth is every wealthy person i know carries and you know collateralizes a lot of debt um on things that make money and sometimes you know you mess up and things don't make money um, but, you you know, to be debt-free is a plan for poverty, I think. And I know there's some people, and, I, and again, I'm not, you know, a fan of over-leveraging either. But, you know, if you've got $100,000, don't go buy one distressed property. Use, you know, leverage that's available and go buy four or five. Put down payments and, and use mortgage, you know, use mortgages or hard money or uh, some other form of leverage so you can capitalize and make more money with your money. And I just think... That is so under-taught, and uh, the, you know, and I know the, the whole pay-off-your-debt is for people who don't have, you know, a, t- you know, a strong psychology and um, are just overspending, but even in then, I say, if you've got credit card debt because you've been shopping too much, then, you know, focus on the right side of that conversation and go make some more money. You know, to me, credit card debt means you just want a bigger life. You didn't know how to pay for it. <laughs> Talk to me about your three-day class coming up in Atlanta. What's that all about? Oh, it's so good. 16th, 17th, 18th, it's called the Cash Machine Workshop. 100% of the room makes money doing what they know how to do. And I teach them a very tight methodology that they literally will make money in the room. They'll have order forms, flyers, everything done. When they walk out of the room, they'll have a two- or three-page business plan at most. Maybe most of them have one page. And you continue then to keep marching and making money. So unlike saying, okay, now go out and make money, I help you make it, so all you do is just duplicate the behavior I just taught you. It's the coolest thing. No one else has ever. It is the coolest thing I made up. Thank you, God, for that little gift. But, uh, yeah, it's fun. So anybody can go. It's fourteen ninety-five. They can bring a friend for free. So it's really seven fifty, you know, per person for three days with me. I teach all of it. I don't send a sub. Um, I bring in a bunch of big team leaders and coaches, and um, uh, it's just great. So if people are interested in that, they can uh, – Go to our website, liveoutloud.com, or call 888-262-2402, 888-262-2402, and my team will pick up and say, I want to register for the workshop in Atlanta, and let's go. Laurel, is there one last piece of insight you want to share with our audience? Be in action. Be around only the people who support your life and your dreams, and fire everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Laurel, thanks for being on our program. Hey, thank you. This or other BizTalk podcast may be downloaded by visiting our website at www.biztalkradioshow.com or you can subscribe to BizTalk through iTunes. If you want to learn the strategies how to take your sales force to the next level, you can contact the Performance Group at 800-550-9509 
or visit us on the web at www.pmgllc.net.